Mic check, mic check. I don't feel like I hear myself. Mic check. Headphones on one. Keep going. Mic keep check, going. mic check, mic check, mic check, mic check now. Unless I'm just here. Oh, wait, there we go. Yeah, that's it. Is that right. Yeah, that's good. That's pretty loud. That's good. <coughs> Down a little bit. Keep going, my All right. Mic check. Five, six. Uh, I think you can go up a little bit. Yeah, right there. I think yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. All right, man. Let's start again. Oh, I like this. This is fucking. <laughs> yeah, you got it all. My boy, my boy, uh, Pablo Picasso hooked this up. Yeah, was he ten? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, dude. This is his first work. <laughs> That's great. This is his man. first one. Dominic Leonelli, what's up, dude? Kind of yeah. re, not really restarting it. We were rolling, but it's fresh, dude. All right, so, dude, I thought you were a native New Yorker. You moved here ten years ago. Yeah, I've been here uh, for about ten years. Yeah, where'd you grow up? Youngstown, Ohio. Oh wow, man! So like yeah. a country kid, you play football? Yeah, country, still inner city ish though. But um, we played like I played backyard scrimmage. I was like ninety pounds, dude. I couldn't. I wasn't big enough to play baseball, dude. I, oh yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I I boxed a lot. We used to do um, you know, played a lot of basketball in the backyard, and you know, never really got too heavy into sports. But other than boxing, I was I was. I fought for probably from the time I was 16 till I was 20. Like in a boxing ring? Yeah, I had or a couple just of like getting fights. school fights. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, I had um I didn't really fight too much in the school. Yeah, I had a lot of amateur fights and and is know. that what got you out of Ohio? No, nah, I wish. Uh you know, I was working at a car wash and a guy came in there and kept telling me I should do comedy. Why? Just you were cracking jokes? Yeah. You were like, yeah, you got to fluff this sucker out. He's like, this guy's got <laughs> yeah. fucking lines, Yeah, you got to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> but how did that happen, though? Like, you must have had some rapport with the guy for him to be like, you should get in comedy. And then, like, you listened to him. Yeah. And, like, now here you are doing great. That's insane. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, what do you call? He kept telling me all the time. He's like, dude, you should do stand-up. He was like, he'd point at my car and be like, look, your car is a piece of shit. You don't want to drive that. He's like, you're not making no money here. <laughs> you know? Oh, right, right. He's so, like, you might as well go to New York and try and make no money or whatever right. it is or initially. He's, he actually signed me up for an open mic in Akron. It turned out to be like a contest and I ended up becoming like the finalist. But I couldn't go to the finals because I had to work. But... It was uh, Akron, Ohio Hilarities. It's a pretty popular club. Well, it's called Funny Stop now, but... Bro, that's like exactly the same story as Eminem and 8 Mile. Right. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like v- verbatim. Except like, for- damn, I can't get someone to cover my shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you were in the finals? Yeah. So, yeah, you did, so the guy won by default? Uh, the other guy I went against, I don't know who won. I never went, actually. It's like Dave Chappelle. He's like for, kind of from near there-ish. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like uh, two hours. I don't think he's from there, but it's... Uh, he like maybe lives there now or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that near Rob Deerdeck too? Um, that's interesting. I don't know. You know what I just found out about Youngstown? Interesting fact. Guess who's from there? The Warner Brothers, bro. Oh, yeah. From my hometown. Those are, are, are there two brothers? Yeah, two brothers. All right. They're killing it, man. Good for them. They're <laughs> yeah. like, we got to get out of here. Go to Hollywood. It was yeah. New York. Your first stop after Ohio. Yeah. I came up here on vacation and. Got past the two clubs. That's why I moved here. So when did you, like, how did you get into comedy after you couldn't make the finals of that contest? Like, did you just keep doing open mics in Ohio and then you came to New York? Well, there really wasn't any open mics in Ohio. So we would just 
go to bars and be like, hey, you know, we're going to do a comedy show here. It was basically we had audiences. I did the reverse. I was like in Ohio doing bar shows with like 30 people not knowing what I had. And I come to New York for the open mics. I'm like, what did I do? I feel like New York is very spoiled, right, in terms of how much comedy they're able to get on a nightly basis, right? Yeah, I mean, especially with, I mean, it's spoiled in certain ways, like, I guess you get a spoil everywhere. Like here, though, it's like the open mics are brutal in New York, especially right now. I feel like the heyday of the good open mics, I was lucky I had them. But now, have you been to some mics? I, I, Not so recently. Dude, I would I go sometimes just for the hell of it. Like I was living across the street from the Grizzly Pair. They had mics at like 4 o'clock. So oh, right, 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 yeah. I would like wake up, get a coffee, and be like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll do a mic. And just for the hell of it, and everybody's outside the room, you know, it's like nothing like when I first came here, it was like camaraderie. Like you had people, yo, man, I love that joke you did about banging that fucking, getting in that fight or (laughs) some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some shit like that. But um, yeah, so basically I I came out to New York uh, a few times on vacation, but I kept going to that club. Even though I couldn't make the finals, I kept going. And, you know, I had my whole act was about a fedora hat that I wore. Everything, every joke I wrote was about that fedora. And I'm on my way to the show and it blew out the window on the freeway. And I just did crowd work and I did the best I've ever done by far. And I knew right then I was like, oh, I got something here. So I I went out to New York. What was your experience like growing up in a, was it a smaller town or how many people were in the town that you grew up in? I mean, it was a smaller town, especially like compared to, you know, like in, of all the towns like yeah i mean there was it was youngstown's actually pretty big but it's like it's at the uh it's like kind of i don't want to say run down but it used to have the steel mills there and it used to be like bowman then they is it kind of like detroit maybe like when they had those those first uh car shops coming in not car shops but like ford motors (laughs) and shit came in i don't know possibly yeah probably it was was a cool town nice suburban town it had like it's mixed it had an inner city 20 minute drives nice little suburban areas like that you know nice man Nice man. And then where's LeBron from? Akron, that same club that Did I you go to Akron, to play. You go to Akron High School? No, I grew up in Youngstown, so the closest comedy club was that that club called the Funny Stop. I don't know if you're ever in Akron, you got to swing by. <laughs> I love the club. The owner will heckle you from the back. But there you go. That's good practice. <laughs> yeah. How was your high school experience? It was cool. I went to. Uh, the school that I went to was kind of small, like I think 400 people in the graduating class. Bro, that's insane that you call that small, though. I went to school with 65 kids in my graduating class. Oh, wow. Isn't that insane? Well, I, I um, went to high school in New York City, so that's why I guess it was a little bit smaller. I went to a performing arts school. Oh, well, that's probably why it was a yeah, little small. there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. A lot of gay dudes, but not me, bro. Not me. <laughs> no, but it was literally like probably 60%. Gay dudes and then forty percent straight dudes. But yeah, going to going to <laughs> going to school in New York, man. Yeah, dude, going to school in He's New York, gay. bro. <laughs> yeah, we and we we tested them out, obviously. Yeah, but going to high school in Ohio, do you always have kind of dreams to get out? Like, what did your family think about coming to New York after you were like, you, you came to New York on vacation with your family, or you were like, New York's bright lights look sick. I want to come here. <laughs> no, well, I did come with my family when I was like 10 years old. But no, I just, I knew New York. I, like, it was so hard to get up in Youngstown. You would drive. Right. I'd drive an hour and 40 minutes. And to, like, how often were those open mics that bro, you were being- Not like, I don't know. Three, t- you're killing it if you can get up 
15 minutes a week in 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 ohio and that's like you'd say three separate sets yeah three to four separate sets wow you would bro i'd drive my car blow up in the parking lot antifreeze everywhere they'd be like eh can't put you on tonight. We're you know, I wonder what it is, though, why smaller towns don't get more involved in comedy, especially when you talk about, you know, you growing up in a smaller town and every open mic that you went to, there were 30 people there just for an open mic. Like the audience was not expect- expecting an amazing comedy show. They're like, all right, let's see what these kids can do. When now, like in New York, people go to any one of these clubs that we're doing in Manhattan, people are going to the show and they're like, all right, well, this better be good. Like right. I'm expecting this to be good. Like in Ohio, if just more cl- more bars that had a quiet night on a Wednesday, just put a comedy show in there for whatever. Pay the comics a hundred bucks. Make it nine p.m. to eleven p.m. Like people will show up, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you would think that. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I think New York, there's just so much. I don't know. Yeah, because you see it. I mean, the produced shows, if people put the work in, I, I do see it happen. But it's also like, man, there's so much to compete with. I don't know. Because I produce a few shows myself. And dude, I have some. I just had one last night. I mean, it was raining. It's a Sunday at midnight. But dude, that I don't think it gets harder to put it on a show <laughs> at that time, bro. Because I, well, I saw your story, bro. And I was like, oh, my God, he's got a show midnight Sunday. Yeah. It's very late, especially in the rain, dude. Every single show has happened for two years straight now. I didn't, even Christmas Day, it happened. It's beautiful. But you know, you got to put that work in and get out there early. A lot of people probably don't want to do that. Somebody could kill in Youngstown. You could start a club in Youngstown, and I guarantee you it would be good. Like, I know, I just feel like all small towns, I mean, some chains got to come in, like a McDonald's type. You know, it's the same kind of formula. You get the best. 10 comics in that small town working for the week. And I think comedy's getting hotter and hotter, like especially since um, we came back to the clubs after the pandemic. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's coming back a little bit. Uh, it feels like it. people are starting to get interested in comedy. A lot more comedians out, too. Definitely. And a lot of strong comics. The pandemic produced, it really separated who's like for real. So how's your experience been in New York City? And have you um, traveled out to L.A. and Chicago and seen it compared to Ohio? Well, I haven't been to Chicago yet. I've been to L.A. a few times. I love L.A. I mean, I would I don't know. I love New York, too, but um, I still Ohio. My heart's there. Like I'll I'll pull the Dave Chappelle when I get successful. I'm going to go buy 100 acres. Chill some cows. Let's go. Fresh milk. But um, did you grow up on a farm? No, but I grew up right near farms, like, by, you know, that area. I mean, you got to have some money to grow up like that. I grew up more in the city-ish part. So it to me, it was like not much of a change from New York as far as, oh, you got to watch out for this person. There's some people in New York I see I'm like, bro, like, I know you're going to get <laughs> mugged. Like, <laughs> what? How do you mean? Like, you know, they'll just be asinine, pulling money out. Oh, man, it's good. Like, they just don't think nothing could happen. It's like, bro, somebody's going to stab you with a screwdriver. Dude, like wearing the big <laughs> headphones, too. I've, I've tried to avoid that. Yeah, with every time, every altercation I've had in this city, it's been because I had my AirPods in. Really? When they first hit the scene... I was getting, uh, I'm telling you, I had to quit wearing them. People just, oh, you know, easy thing to steal maybe, or he's got like out of your ear? 
Yeah, like whatever. Every time I had him in, there's been an altercation. Like a dude just turned around, tried jacking me in the face on the subway. Did you bump into him or something? No, I was just sitting there. I, I knew it was coming. Like he looked a little scared. You got to do that shit right away. Right. So I kind of already prepared for and put my hand up and then that was it. But I've had like probably three or four. I just had one actually. Let's hear it. On my way to the club, I, I literally feel the footsteps behind me. And I turn, pull out my earbud. I'm like, yo, dude, what the hell? He's like, oh, I was trying to sneak up on you. <laughs> That's a nice jacket. And then he just walks away. <laughs> nice jacket? He's going to take your jacket? Who knows? So something. Do you tell people that New York is dangerous when they ask, like, your boys from Ohio and stuff? Or are they like, what's the big city like? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm honest with them. More, more, I probably tell people when I come across some people that are like, hey, I want to move there. You know, it's my dream because I'll meet a lot of these people on these cruise ships that are like 18 years old and they're like, it's my dream to move to New York and go to Broadway. And I'll tell them, like, listen, honestly, get on your TikTok and make some videos. Like, that's the key. Right. But don't come here. But then I'm here, you know. I'm so happy we live in a day when I could be like, hey, if I were to write a joke or put this up, this is going to get something versus, oh, do I got to fit this demographic to do a late night show? Do I have to be check all these boxes to fit like to maybe be considered for late night? But now it's like, yo, it's up to me. Like if you get something, if you get a, a one joke that gets three million views, you got more than any viewers than any late night show gets. And you think about that, it's like, yo, I did this well shit. Well said, bro. I don't, think, I don't think people think about that. You know, like, even I've looked on Wikipedia, you know, some of the late night shows and how many views they get. You know, some of the, the top ones get, like, 5 million views. And, you know, that it's possible for that to happen on a, a social media app. You're getting potential people on TikTok that's like, hey, maybe they're 18 or 17 now. Maybe they'll recognize me in two, three years. Be like, oh, I remember this dude from TikTok. What do some of your friends do back home? Uh, build bridges, houses. Like, do you ever have your mindset on doing something like that? Yeah, I used to do construction, like um, handwork construction. Yeah, 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 like uh, and jobs. <laughs> you know, there goes that theater school coming out. <laughs> I would never want to again. I do, bro. Work like that? Yeah, I worked hard jobs. Um, I worked hard jobs most of my life. So, I'm like, uh, sorry guys, we're having a little audio. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so some of your friends, like growing up, they must think you're crazy for moving to New York. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't have any friends anymore. <laughs> I don't really talk to they them. They really fall by the side, bro, especially yeah. when you move that far away from home. You, is your family still in Ohio, though? Yeah. Your parents are supportive of your comedy? Oh, yeah, 100%. I That's think in great, the beginning, bro. they probably weren't, but right. now that I'm making money, like I've been blessed. These this past two years, I've made some big triumphs in comedy, and I've been making money, and you know, it's been good. Like I couldn't make the amount of money I make now doing anything else anyway. How did the pandemic look for you? Like, did you have some things lined up, and then March 2020 happened, and you were like, "Ah, shit! What am I supposed to do now?" Yeah, actually, right before the pandemic, I was asked. Uh, Norm Macdonald asked me to be his opener, <laughs> and then you know. And then the pandemic. That's hit. crazy, dude. I was I cried for three days. I was so happy. <laughs> I couldn't even speak to him. It's one thing you were so happy or so fucking sad that the pandemic happened. Both. Oh yeah, a little bit of both. Um, wow, dude, that's insane. Yeah, I remember hanging with him. I got to open for him nine times, but I remember um, 
hanging with him and just looking at the floor because I didn't want to say the wrong thing, you know? <laughs> How'd you link up with him initially? Uh, at Caroline's, I did. I opened up for TK Kirkland. And uh, I guess I had a lot of people calling the club asking who I was. So they were like, hey, we actually want to put you the next weekend for Norm MacDonald. What year was this? This was right before the pandemic. Uh, whatever year that is. So like a couple it, months it was before. Tw- it was 2020, maybe like January or February. I want to say it was the maybe yeah, or the end of 2019. Right. Because you had opened for Norm right many times. Window, yeah. So he wanted to go on tour with you. R.I.P. Norm McDonald, by the way. Man, For those of you who don't know, freaking legend. Dude. Legend. I think he's uh, he's probably, I mean, I know anytime I say this, it's a huge argument, but I think he's the best joke writer. If you just talk straight jokes, dude, like he's the best joke writer. There is. This dude's got the most ridiculous, funny jokes, in my opinion, you know. I, mean, I think I think you really when you comedy in general, you really have to appreciate the great joke writers. Like I'm, I'm for example, I love Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, I, I love what he's able to do, even if it's just such silly, stupid stuff. But like you laugh because it's maybe relatable. You think about it. Right. Yeah, I was a huge Mitch fan, too. So so what happened? Did you he wanted to go on tour with you? And then obviously the pandemic hit. And then what did your pandemic look like? My pandemic, actually, I did, I had, like, a great pandemic, actually. I made more money in the pandemic than I did anything and did more comedy. Doing what? What were you doing that brought in the cash? Were you doing, like, corporate Zoom shows? No, well, I did a couple corporate shows, but I actually did, um, I started a little moving company, and during the day, and it was just so lucrative because no way you just got like a fat truck and hired your boys i rented a van yeah i rented a van from like um cc rental and they were real cheap because nobody was renting vans so i think i was able to rent the van for like 1200 for the whole month what so yeah i would rent it for like six months at a time and then how much does it cost to move (laughs) i guess it depends through gas and stuff like that but i was like profiting 10 g's a month like I would make, I would gross like fifteen thousand in a month. Yeah, moving furniture, moving people out of the all their buildings. Did you get pretty fit? Yeah, I was ripped. Let's go. And then I was doing most of the stand up I've ever done in my life was during the pandemic. I'd park the van, and in Times Square they started this thing. We were the only club open because you know they don't care about rules over there. So what he did was it was called a dinner improv and. uh we would do stand-up outside, and there was construction, so we had the scaffolding. We set seats up, and uh, it was just so dope, man. And we right in Times Square. Me and Mike Kerrigan, Alvin Kwai, Luis Lopez, and uh, we just go out there and just take turns just doing, going up and just doing a ridiculous amount of time. I used to host all the shows. <laughs> Dude, like three hours in a night of stand-up. Just... <laughs> That's great, man. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that was. I still look back at that like that was. That's probably the biggest thing that grew my comedy career because my back was against the wall. I had no choice. Like I was like, yo, I gotta be funny. Sometimes there'd be no comedians that I'd be stuck on stage for an hour, and everybody, you know, I'd do the whole show and then be like, hey, thanks for coming out. We'd pass out a tip bucket, and people were thriving for comedy. All these people were coming to Times Square, and there was nothing to do. So we were the only thing open. So we'd have like 50 people there. Like it's crazy. crazy. Like sometimes walking through Times Square, you see those dance circles and there's like 200 people. You know what I mean? 
Bro, those cats make some money. I know one of them. A few of them are famous on TikTok. And, uh, bro, they'll, they'll make like $1,000 in a day. How much do you think Elmo and like the Cookie Monster make oh, a day? Making shit. You think? No. Because they just charge for pigs. Maybe 100 bucks. Yeah. That's it? I don't know. Maybe 150 I know that some of those like hot dog vendor, pretzel vendor guys can't be making so much money. I feel like the licenses on those corners in Times Square, it's got to be pretty expensive. That's why the water is freaking three dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's well bounds. Yeah. Well, and they look at you like if yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah know. they'll look at you. And if you if you also if you take it and then ask how much uh, it is, you're fucked. You have to ask before you yeah, take you it. Yeah, you can't open it. If you open yeah, it, that's gonna be a seventeen dollars snap. <laughs> And then the pretzel, dude, forget about it, dude. $10 pretzels. Right. You could get out of there with a water and a pretzel for 15 bucks. Easy. Something insane. Oh, they see your whole family, kids opening yeah. the juice. Uh, $90. Yeah. <laughs> 400 bucks. Right. And they will get you. I see them. I, people I are ready them. to fight them. I seen them do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I definitely noticed more people getting into comedy from like five, six years ago. Right before the pandemic, that shit was brutal. You know, how do you mean? Like, I feel like comedy was getting before the pandemic, it was getting a little burned out in a way. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I wonder why, though. Why do you feel that? Um, I don't know if maybe it's like maybe there was a major boom and everybody was doing it, so it wasn't cool no more. But I don't know. You know what? I think maybe also, I think TikTok may have helped it. You know, during the Could pandemic, have, yeah, everyone was freaking chilling on their bed. You know, they huh. were scrolling through, and then when you see like a stand-up clip or a podcast clip, like it fits into the screen perfectly, right? You know what I mean? Like if I wanted to watch Dominic on stage, like the camera is literally showing his shoes, his hair, <laughs> the shirt that he's wearing. You know, the t- subtitles or whatever pops up, like, oh, this is funny. Send it to your boy. Yo, right. who is that guy? I don't know. I heard he's at this club on Wednesday. Let's go check him out. Yeah. So I think uh, that kind of had a little bit of a tumbleweed effect on, you know, uh, live shows coming back and people wanting to see maybe live comedy, you know? Yeah, I could totally. I mean, it's definitely TikTok has definitely helped comedy majorly in terms of like, look at some of these guys that are nice guys. They're funny. And maybe they're like a year in comedy, two years in comedy. They got 200K followers and they'll go sell out somewhere, do like 300 seats. And it, Without TikTok, it would have been, hey, even though this guy's funny and he's doing comedy, you know, we're just right now, we're looking for a guy with thick eyebrows. So that's the most, we'll add the laughter in. Post-production, yeah. brother. Post-production. I, I did one TV taping thing. Uh-huh. And they were like, yeah, we're just casting you because we want your type of white. We're going to shit on you a little bit. Make fun of your tra- trailer trash a little. And he goes, so, you know, trash it up. Don't worry about the jokes. We'll add in laughter. What'd they say? <laughs> uh, they, it was the worst thing you'd ever see. It never came out. Luckily, I didn't sign anything. I was like, dude, you know I'm not signing this. <laughs> it was after I did it. I didn't realize how bad it was going to be. I can't drop any names, but the host goes out there. And he's like a very well-known comedian on TV a lot. Goes out there, hammered drunk, TV taping, smacked. Got to ask me my name seven times during his set. I was supposed to go first. Then he goes, fuck it, man. This dude's parents should have learned to give him an easier name. I'm bringing somebody else up. Dude, seven times he asked my name. He's like, I'm too drunk for this shit, man. 
and he brought me up as like some crazy like Ladom Johnson or some some weird I didn't even know it's me he's like I'm, I'm calling like TV, you TV network TV this was a show that they were trying to sell and he did like um all these famous comedians jokes <laughs> up front and then the first comedian goes up and um they're heckling him like they're like, when I was up, they're holding up signs and doing charades. Was this like to a live audience? I guess you could call it a live audience. Uh, it was basically what they were trying to do was they were trying to make like a a black version of like the um, what's that shit the that the, the, all the friars and all that the roast, friars club, roast. not really a roast, but like. I guess they were trying to make like a black version of the friars club or something. Uh huh. So it was basically like eight people on a couch with these half naked girls walking around. And uh, these guys were like rappers or something. And they had big wine cups and they were like um, the audience. It was like seven or eight people on a couch. And then there was about 75 people in the back that were trying to get on this shitty fucking show. People Weird. were rap battling in the back. A comedian in the back's talking so loud during taping. He's like, I've been doing comedy 20 years. Don't tell me when to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, bro, <laughs> shit was the most... I'm glad I got it out the way for my first TV thing. Right, right, right. Because it will never be worse than that. I think they got mad I was doing good because the whole idea was they booked a bunch of white people without seeing us. And they just thought we sucked because we're white. You yeah, know? classic. So, but they, they didn't realize they booked funny white kids. Right. Everybody was, because it was like nine white kids on this show. And everybody was doing good. Because, yeah, I mean, you're in New York. Like, you're going to get some decent comics. Totally. And um, anyway, so I think they were just trying to throw people off. Like, he, he was like, this was the intro he got. This next comic, I don't know nothing about him other than he eats ass because I smelled his breath. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good hook. <laughs> yeah, but like, but besides that, yes. Very and then he's like, enough. give it up for Ladom Johnson. <laughs> What's been your highlight in New York City so far? Comedy wise or life wise, bro? Maybe a nice relationship? Yeah. Let us know. Let us in. Zero. <laughs> yeah, I had some wild relationships. I just got to have a relationship recently. Uh, I'm so happy to finally be single. It's been six years I've been in you relationships. Guys, you were together for six years? I was, uh, three and three. I did it like back to back. Nice, I dated bro. one girl for three, single Michael for Jordan. 12 yeah. hours. And then boom. Uh, for real, 12 hours? 12 hours. It was like a dating app story? No, I don't really do the dating apps. It's when I was doing moving, I, I go to you know my girl to talk to her i haven't seen her since the pandemic and she's like yeah this she's like this ain't gonna work so she kind of dumped me but i knew it was like coming to an end right. so i wasn't really even that heartbroken i had to do a, a job like a moving job i was like fuck it i might as well go make some money and i show up and it's the girl i ended up dating for three years <laughs> and you met her 12 hours after you had just broken up with another like, girlfriend we legit started dating 12 hours after uh <laughs> yeah wait so it was just chemistry as soon as you walked in it was like yeah she's I, like the sofa's over there <laughs> right yeah i moved there <laughs> and then the next day she called me back like hey something's wrong with my tv you mounted so i came back and she had like dinner ready for me oh let's go stuff. so the tv wasn't the only thing that needed mounting right, right? you know <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> Uh, there is people really like that. 
That was that. Yeah, that was that was drawn up. <laughs> no, I, I definitely met a few people like that in my day. Dude, that's a crazy story though. Nice story. Yeah, I'm happy to be single. Highlights in New York, man. I don't know when they dropped those keys in my hand. And I was like, um, you know, and I was living in West Village, my own apartment. I remember just thinking like, man, this is so cool. Like, What year was that, bro? Um, last year. Like I was there for a year and a half. So I just moved out a few months ago. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, I was like, uh, obviously, I didn't want to move. But it was also one of those things where I was like, I want the freedom to make these short movies I'm making. So I had to make that choice. It's like, do I want to keep paying this rent, this $2,500 a month, or do I want to find somewhere for 1000 a month and, and put that extra 1500 towards my projects? And that's what I've been doing. So, you know, it's been going great. I'm shooting uh, my first short film that I wrote. We're like, go, bro. We're like, we shot like th three or four of the scenes so far. Is that why you know so much about this this tech stuff and the lightings, bro? I'm dropping so much money on this Yeah, shit. it's crazy how the more you upgrade your tech equipment, the more like the little accessories cost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you used to have the camera that you got for whatever it is, 800 bucks. You get like a little microphone for 80 bucks. Now if you get a camera for freaking 8,000, the mic's like 800, something like that. Right. Uh, but I, it's interesting to see just because also I feel like everyone really has to become their own producer, especially, you know, we were talking about TikTok really ramping up stand up and podcasts and all these clips. But now people are just putting their stuff on YouTube, putting like their hour on YouTube and not relying on Netflix to give them their one time fee. Maybe allowing their special to just grow all over the world and YouTube just keeps paying them month after month. You see yourself maybe releasing an hour special on a YouTube or on a network, something like that. I mean, at this point, um, it wouldn't make much sense to do it on my YouTube. I just started doing social media. If something were, if I can keep growing this, which I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happier to go this route because like which route what do you mean like the route where you're starting from the bottom and you know the full business because we do we're learning everything like you doing this you're like okay i know when i post a video i gotta come up with a, a title now i'm learning marketing and and then you start to realize oh this picture's better or how can i promote this better and it's almost like that person like i had this boss he was this rich kid and i worked at the car dealership and he couldn't do anything there like it was his son's this was like oh, it's his dad's dealership yeah so he like couldn't run the computer and he's yelling at people Fuck, dude, telling them how the to do bro it. that is my vision of me like how i was when i was at my dad's company and having to do things because my dad was telling me like i knew if shit wasn't gonna get done i get yelled at from my dad yeah so i bring that yelling and like yell at people like i've been at this company what two years these guys are freaking 15 years older than me <laughs> like what the fuck like i what am i who am i right oh like that's the thing and like look out now look how you perceive these people and it's normal you were working for a rich kid whose dad's company it was and the rich kid didn't know how to use the fucking computer and he's ahead of you right go ahead it just creates a problem now did <laughs> did you know how to operate the place did yeah. your dad have you work through yeah so i and was that's a, a different story yeah but i was a property manager so like i guess now like I'm, i use my management skills doing the whatever managing bringing you on the podcast doing the comedy show stuff like that so i was a good manager but i'd go into an apartment and an apartment wasn't wiped down or apartment was messy apartment wasn't painted well now i gotta be like 
bro, you think you can do, you think you can, right. Like there's no real way for me to come in as the, the, the owners or the manager's son and be like, okay, let's try and be cool here. You guys, we're all on the same level. You know, there's no real way to do that. Well, you know, you say that, but I think a lot of things are, it's something is what it is when you make it that like, if you say, Hey man, Look, you got to paint this. It's not me. It's got to get done. You're getting paid. That's how, yeah, but that's how I was. That's how I like to think that I was operating. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I can, I can, dude, imagine if I came in, you'd be like, yo, fuck this kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, or you'd yeah. be like, yes, sir. You know what I mean? Like what happened to the car, car dealership? How did that work? Right. But I, I don't know if this makes you feel any better, but when your dad walked in, they said, fuck him too. <laughs> They didn't like right. him either. But he, but he was he at least deserved it. You know, yeah. he at least deserved like it was his. It's his fucking company. People can say fuck you to him, but you know, ultimately, he's the one that signs the checks. I'm right. not the one that signs the checks to pay these guys. Well, I feel like if I were to just have made it, like been this guy, you ever hear some of these? First off, the success the success stories. Um, this is God saying, don't talk this shit. The success <laughs> stories of some people that solely get picked because it's just they fit the character. You know, like if you ever hear some of these people will be like, they'll have all the comics sitting around them. So how'd you get on that hit TV show? You know, and then they'll be like, well, you know, I really I made myself available to do stand up and I worked hard and I did stand up for like three to five months and then they grabbed me and said yo you're you're we need a guy with curly hair that's five two with teeth like yours can you we'll write the lines but we want you we just want you on the show do exactly what you're doing you don't even got to be funny just do what you're doing right here that's it and it's like yeah where's your fucking success story like what what do you can help me out <laughs> like you know and that that comes in a lot you'll see that with people comedians like they made it maybe early on and they don't know they never had an opportunity to learn all this shit even like look at these older comedians that are killers you ever try to have them upload a tiktok video <laughs> and you're like yo dude you're you could destroy a room but it's the same story they didn't come up they don't they never had to learn all this shit these hours like i don't know if you edit dude i edit and I've, i learned yeah, everything, now everything i'm like all right it looks better like this oh i could pan this i could do this or i should start it three seconds sooner you know and that's all the stuff that you learn and you you like i'm adding all this up over the 10 years i've been in new york doing this to where some people they'll once that tv show's over it's over for them then they're just going to casting auditions. You know, they're looking for, you know, you can need anybody with curly hair. No, we're looking for somebody funny, motherfucker. You know, but I see that. I've seen that in the 10 years I've been in comedy. I've seen that a lot with, um, you know, like it, it's, it's ebbs and flows, you know, unless you're doing it the way you're coming up from the beginning, then it's, you're earning this shit, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm saying too much. No, 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 no. That was great, bro. I want to go back. I want to jump back to uh, you working at the car dealership. Was that like a fuck you moment where you were like, oh, I can stay in Ohio my whole life. And then that moment was like, oh, nah, fuck this shit. I want to do what I want to do. I'll tell you where the fuck you moment came in. I was the guy that was always asking other people's advice. I was always like, hey, you know, what do you think? Do you think I should move to New York and be a comedian? And everyone obviously said no. Right. They'd be like, look, <laughs> they'd be like, I'm, I'm a waiter at Denny's. I think this should work. I, I don't want to block my face because this is the goods right yeah, here. Yeah, no, we got you. We're zoomed um, in there. 
So anyways, yeah, it'd be, you know, I'd ask every single person I've ever met. And hey, what do you think? What do you think I should do? Really, My whole future and lying in this person I've never even met. And then so for years, for like three or four years, I talked about moving to New York and I was working at this car dealership. And this guy told me, he goes, man, you ain't never gonna move to New York. You're just gonna keep talking about it. I put in for a vacation. Well, so the way it actually did happen was I put in for, I came up to New York a couple times on vacation. Like one time it lasted two days, got nothing. Then one time I was like, all right, I'm gonna make it work for this week. And I came up here and my place fell through. I had to go back home. So basically then in my mind, I knew I was quitting. I said, look, I'm getting in at a club in New York and I'm quitting. And then um, that's quitting your original car dealership. Yeah. And that's kind of how I did it. And I got as soon as he said that, I was like, hey, I said, I need some time off. I told my boss right then, maybe I could do this. I don't want to fuck up your cord. No, you guys but already so, fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, guys, for the slight audio. But it's been great the whole time. Go ahead. So uh, anyways, yeah, so I just hopped in my car and I said, I'm going on vacation right now. No, no questions. And I came up to New York and I went to every club. I'm like, look, can I get on this relentless? I want to show you guys. Can I give me an opportunity? And uh, the place I was staying at was this Airbnb. I got a joke out of it. Because it was a setup. It was like, I get there, they're going through my bag, they're mad rude, they wouldn't let me sleep on the bed. I'm calling, I actually seen the girl in West Village last year. She was like, I'm so sorry, I had a lot of complaints like that. What? The guy wouldn't leave, and I was Damn. traveling the world, so... Maybe she was like, you know, felt like an ass to have to run into me after yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they robbed me, they stole my gold chain. And uh, I got a joke out of it. So I was like... Went to every club. Nobody's even let me watch a show. Like, I couldn't, like, they're like, yeah, everybody's fuck trying to get in here. So I'm like, all right. So I ended up walking around my last night here, and I never knew the comic strip. I, like, never knew about it. And I'm like, whoa, th this is a cool club. Upper East Side, for yeah. those of you who don't know, big, like, Seinfeld, freaking everyone in their younger career, Sandler. Yeah, Sarah Silverman, who Silverman, I love. Sarah, sure. if you're watching this. What up, girl? <laughs> um, so I, what do you call? I uh, I walk in and I'm like, hey, you know, it's my last day in New York. Last club. Because like, I went to every club. I was at the Pits, the UCBs. I went every single club. And I, for some reason, I didn't find this one. Maybe that's why the ticket sales were a little low. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so anyways, I ended up... Uh, walking in and i'm talking to the guy at the desk and i'm like yeah i want to try to get on and they're like that eh, doesn't work like that it was do you know df swedler no though they had me call him they're like they you know they had like some reception they're like you could call this guy to take his comedy class and get on oh, yeah. and i'm calling df he's like yeah there's you have to wait in line to do the <laughs> strip and and this and that so i'm like all right so dude this changed the whole course of my life Chuck Nice and Roberto Vanderpool are standing there and I'm telling them that I just moved to New York and I'm like, yeah, and the dude's like, take off your gold chain. You're going to get robbed, man. And I was a deep part of Brooklyn. I take it off and he robbed me. And bro, they start dying and they're like, bro, we thought you were telling us a story. I'm like, no, that really happened. They're like, dude, you got to do that on stage, man. That's fun. And they go, matter of fact, they go, hey, man, they pull in this older guy. And I didn't know it was the owner of the club, Richie Tinkett, rest in peace. First friend I've ever made in New York. And um, 
you know, and he gives me his book. He signs it. He's cracking up that I got robbed. And he's like, come back um, tomorrow night. I'm going to give you an audition. The place is closed because of snow. So it was my last day in New York. So now I'm, I'm getting a hotel. I'm staying an extra three nights. The next two days, he's sick both times. He's like, we'll do it tomorrow. Dude, I have to go back to Ohio, come back to New York. Did you work a shift in Ohio when you went back? No. And I, I was just like, I, this is the only thing that matters. And we kept calling back and forth. He's like, all right. He goes, come on Tuesday night. And dude, I drive up there Tuesday. There's like no room that night. And then he's like, yeah, come Wednesday. It wasn't even like a late night set. He's like, I'm going to see you. And I go up in front of like three people mad late. I did terrible. Like I did nothing was really working. I didn't know where the light was. The other late nighters were actually heckling me. It was like, I don't know. Some of them were young kids, but like I'd get three words out in my setup and I'd hear them in the back all loud. What man, what he say? And it's like, yo, I think that's mad disrespectful. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do that. It's like, that's the number one rule in comedy. I still know who they are. And I'm still like, you know, I forgive you, but I, you know, that was still a dickhead move. Dickhead move. Anyway, back to the story. But anyway, so uh, that didn't help. So I bombed terribly. And he passed me, though. He was like, and this is really what he said to me. It was um, a thing, a picture of um, Adam Sandler over there. And he goes, um, he's like this. He goes, yeah, you can't write a joke to save your life. That's what he told me. And he goes, but you got something more important than that. He goes, Adam's jokes weren't funny either. But people liked him so much that he didn't need to have funny jokes. And he's like, that's bigger than having any jokes. Be likable. Be likable. Yeah, I guess. But I feel like, I don't know. I tried that likable route. It didn't really work. I mean, it is now, bro. (laughs) I like you. I think you're (laughs) friends. A little bit. I don't know. Dude, I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast also could tell. The jokes come in time. I mean, it takes forever. Forever. You know, it takes a long time. But, that, but dude, that also, a- I think there's something to be said about uh, you immediately being like, yo, fuck you, boss. Cause how many pe- how many times as a boss or somebody in your life say something extremely you know, hurtful and maybe true at that particular time and people listen to them, dude. And especially since you were talking about asking random fucking waiters <laughs> at Denny's what you should do. Sometimes, guys, rather all the time, you just got to make your own decision. Yeah, you just got to jump. And my life didn't start till I moved to New York. Other than that, I was working at a car wash 12 hours a day for like 500 a week, you know? And it's like 12 hours a day, like, you know, just dead tired, filthy, six, seven days a week, every day. And, you know, also, it's like if you go back, you're not not missing anything. You know, like jumping to New York, following your passion or staying at the, like, you're just going to be miserable if you stay at that job doing 12 hour a day washing the car as opposed to coming to New York and risking it for the freaking biscuit. Right. And then there's the hard times. Like I actually went back to Ohio struggling. I was living in a cube smart in the Bronx, dude, homeless in New York. <laughs> like I had at one point I had um, the Creek in the cave in Queens. Did you ever go to that spot? Yeah. Right outside the Midtown tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyways, I don't even know if the owner knew this, but she used to feed me, which was so great. Rebecca, her spot's in Austin now, but she was like, anytime you're hungry. And she would make it look like a mistake to not embarrass me. She'd be like, hey, somebody ordered um, this and you can have it. So she fed me all the time. And um, 
you know, I had all my stuff underneath the seats at the open mic, my suitcase, my guitar. People would be at the mic pulling my underwear out. Whose stuff is this? I'd be on stage like, I don't know, uh, you know. And then uh, during the days, I ended up getting in a, um, in a that was that that was after the Cube Smart because I only had enough money to get me like I think I had they did a you get a month and then you get a month free for thirty dollars plus the lock and you had to use one of their locks twenty dollar lock so it's all like the money I had fifty bucks and I put it all in the Cube put all my stuff in the Cube Smart like my joke notebooks my computer. And my guitar or something. And um, I would just, she kept saying, you can't, you know, you can't sleep here at night. She's Who was him, the manager of the Cube Yeah, because they knew my, I was, I looked homeless, dude. I, once you're broke for, you know. And they're carrying around that suitcase, bro, too. Couldn't buy face soap, deodorant, you know. Didn't have socks. And I remember I flip-flop broke. You think that's an easy problem? Go buy another one from the dollar store. Dude, I didn't have a dollar. Like, I had to be barefoot. And, um. Till I got that dollar. And then you're like, yo, I want a slice of pizza. Like, <laughs> but you know, I, what do you call, I would go, I would walk around all night in Times Square, just make laps and hang out all night or hang out at the Creek as late as I possibly could. And then go to Times Square, maybe McDonald's. That was a good hustle. If you buy something at McDonald's, you could stay there for 30 minutes. Right. Dude, I was living in Midtown for $6. I would be buying the little apple pie for 50 cents and just sitting there for 30 minutes. They hated me. They'd be like, come on, man. I'd be like, uh, you know, I think I'll take another apple pie. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, dude. you got to get the fuck out of here. They'd get so mad. How long did this last? Living, um, in, living in the cube, smart. The two months. Yeah, I was there two months. And then I, what do you call... I lost the cube smart, so I put all my stuff at the creek. And then that lasted about, I'd say, a good month. And then I was just at my end, dude. I was like, I just, I had to go home. I remember wheeling my suitcase home, and this comedian goes, Yo, Dom, man, dude, you're so funny. I just moved to New York. You know, I saved up like 10 grand. I'm living in the Lower East Side, and I'm fucking leaving. And he's like, Yeah, man, you got any shows coming who up? Who was that? Can you say that? I, I don't know who it was at this point. I'm bad with names. But, uh, you know, I remember just being like, damn, this dude's so lucky. But then uh, I went back to another car dealership, washed cars, and actually in the summer of doing that, I wrote two movies. I would have never had that experience if I didn't do that. So how long did you go back to Ohio for? I was there for about five months. And you were saving up the entire time? Yeah, I was paying off my credit cards because I resorted to everything. Yeah. Yeah, my parents were cool, man. They let me crash there for, I was there for probably f probably four and a half months, honestly. Like, whatever, a long summer, and uh, just washing cars, and bought a cheap pickup truck for like 300 bucks, <laughs> and uh, that was it. And honestly, I didn't know if I was going to come back to New York. What and year was that, bro? This was probably about five years ago, six years ago. Maybe five. And then, dude, when I come back to New York, find a place on Craigslist, I had $1,000, that's it. And I move in, give the girl $1,000, 500 a month. There's 10 people living in the house all together, nine other roommates. Every door's numbered. You get one cupboard. Oh, Brooklyn or? This was uh, the Bronx, Burnside Avenue. 
first night there, I'm coming back from the creek. I'm so happy to be back. Cops are everywhere. A dude just got shot in his head right in front of my place. <laughs> and the cop's like, what are you doing living here, man? He's like, you got to move out. This is a bad part of town. And then even when I went to the bank to get the security deposit, the bank teller was on a TV screen because they got robbed so much. They go, uh, why do you want $1,000? You, you're going to have 1000 cash on you right now? I was like, yeah. They're like, look. I was like, I just moved in. The bank teller was like, you should move out. And I've only, I only lasted like five days there. Dude put a knife to my throat. He's like, yo, I don't want to see your fucking white ass in my neighborhood ever again. You live right there. His friend was like, yo, I don't know what you said to this dude, but he's going to stab you for real if he sees you here. So I told my landlord, I was like, can I at least have my security back? Like, she goes, no, you, you knew what you were getting into. This is the Bronx. <laughs> and uh, she's like, he ain't going to stab you in the neck. Dude, he knew right where I lived at. So I left. I've got another spot and it had fucking bed bugs. <laughs> I had to throw all my clothes away. So I'm back at square zero. I'm calling back home and my family's like, maybe you should just quit comedy. <laughs> I don't think it's for you. <laughs> yeah. True, man. Now I'm sleeping on the train and, uh, you know, I ended up just working it out, man. I, I got this job back walking dogs my old job and i had that for like three weeks enough to get me and i was and then i got screwed by a dude at dunkin donuts he's like yeah you can move in 175 man i wouldn't lie to you i'm a christian my family's christian and then like where well, did he say you yeah. can sleep for 175 why are you meet me at a dunkin donuts <laughs> number one but no it's what do you call it? it's like this is not i should have known this is not a proper business Where's your office at? But he said it was room rentals that they have advertised on Craigslist to where it's 175 a week. But so the dude gets the 175 and then he keeps telling me, yeah, I can't find nothing right now. I'm like, dude, what's up? He goes, yeah, well, come by. Give me 250. I'm like, dude, I just gave you 175. He goes, oh, yeah, that's my pay to help you find something. I'm like, bro. So I had that. That happened. <laughs> and, uh. Then I, I don't know from there, like, I ended up getting in somewhere. I, I got lucky with, like, a, a month rental somewhere. And then, you know, I had a, a job I got when I was in Ohio that I was trying to get for a while on an app, and I couldn't get it. And it was the task rabbit. It was the moving and mountain TVs. So one day I just get hired, like, and, you know, things like this honestly made me believe in God. Like one time I remember I was going to work and dude, I used to walk from the um, Bronx to go walk dogs because I thought if you hop a turnstile, you get arrested. Like, I didn't where know. was the office, the dog walker place? Uh, 72nd and Broadway. Oh, and I would walk. It's like a hundred blocks. It would take three and a half hours each way. Yeah. And dude, I was walking it. Bro. And my, my, the boss at the dog walking job said, man, Tom, you're looking a lot skinnier. Are you on drugs? He thought I was on drugs. I said, no, man, I'm starving. And he gave me like 60 bucks. And that, that like made me always want to go the extra mile for him. But uh, one day I was going to work so hungry, dude. I was seeing spots walking up the steps. I was like, and there was these bacon, egg and cheese and a coffee deal for $1.99 at Papaya. And I was like, uh, please, God, I just want $2. And $2 just fell into my hand. Like somebody dropped it. And it, was, I remember, it was on the ground? No, it just literally fell directly into my palm. I was walking up the steps. I literally said, 
Uh, and papaya's right there. I was so hungry. I was like, please, God, just today give me $2 to buy papaya. And it dropped right in my hand. That How? was my were you biggest walking? triumph. Were you walking behind someone? I mean, we were all going up the steps, 72nd and Broadway before the pandemic. The subway? Yeah. Steps up. And maybe somebody heard me and they just did it, but maybe it was just fate. No, no, no. Straight up God. Come and on. bro. Nobody heard you. Oh, this kid needs $2. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I have faith in humanity? <laughs> well, it was God through humanity, you know? So, yeah. yes, same thing. Yeah, and uh, same thing with the Task Rabbit job. Those were my biggest triumphs because shit means a lot more when you're starving. Like, I would walk an extra five blocks because I knew for 15 cents I could get ramen noodles at this deli. And it was probably just some guy just felt bad. I don't know, but they were 15 cents at this deli when they were like a dollar at the deli by my house. So I'm like, yo, I could get two pack of meat. I found 30 cents today because nobody gave me money. Like I, w- I looked homeless. I did the sign. I tried to get hired at make everywhere. I tried getting hired at McDonald's. The dog walking dude gave, gave was the only one that gave me a spot, but it was before I was really homeless looking. Like I ended up losing that job out of stupidity. You know, some of the stuff I caused myself, like I had a good job as a bartender for like two months and my ego got in the way. How? Because. Uh, Especially since working all the odd jobs and were you homeless before you got this bartending job? No, or this how was did your ego affect my it? first. I was in New York for, I don't know, a couple of months. I was doing okay, a month and a half. And I got this job at a bartender. As a bartender at a Mexican restaurant right across from the comic strip. Like, it closed down because of the health department now. But it was, um, the manager was such an asshole to me. And uh, I didn't realize it was his, like, nephew that was working there. So the manager's accusing me of giving girls shots of Patron. And I wasn't. And I'm like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it. He goes, how come we went through three bottles of Patron we didn't sell that much Patron. And he's like, not letting it go. So I'm keeping an eye on the Patron. And I see it's this young kid who's giving free shots to all the girls. So I I told on him. I said, hey, man, that's your nephew that's doing that. And the boss, instead of being like, you know, instead of him being like, oh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. He's like, you're accusing my nephew. I'm like, he legit did it. And the evidence was right there. Like the boss was there. The dude, all this Patron, and then I hit the register. I said, let's look at sales. Boom, I hit that register. I said, oh, man, it's crazy. We just, 11 shots of Patron didn't show up here. And the dude gets mad at me and goes, I don't like snitches. <laughs> and, and the dude's like mad at me, tells his cousin, and the aunt's like, the cousin, with well, this kid was young. He shouldn't even have been working there. He's like 17 or 18, he's from Mexico, and... uh Anyways, he starts, he punches the fridge and dents it. And he's all like, oh, it's like a young little kid. I could have easily beat his ass. (laughs) And they were like, you got to apologize to this guy. You got to apologize to him. We need him. And and the girl's all like, you got to apologize. We need him. And I'm like, nah, fuck him. Fuck you. I quit. I was like, dude, you want to go outside? I'll beat your fucking ass. (laughs) I was like, like, what? He pushed me into the fridge. So I think I like backhanded him. And I was like, dude, let's go outside. I'm going to fight you. You want to run your fucking mouth? And he wouldn't go outside. They're like, yeah, you're fired. And I could have just let that go. But then that's where the struggle went downhill. 
But that doesn't really sound like you got fired because of your ego, though. I could have let it go. I was like... What part could you have let go when he accused you of the... Yeah, like when he's all like, ah, you know, I learned later on in my life, you got to laugh shit off. Like, you know, you got to be like... You heard that? You got to be like, bro. Yeah, be like, hold up. Now, I don't want you, you know, look like you had some hot sauce there. Just play it cool. Always be likable. Once you get back to likability, I think once, you know, it's really a psychology thing. Same thing as being a boss, because I was a manager at the car wash. And if you go to somebody, hey, man, you got to paint this versus, you know, man, can you do me a favor? Just hook this up here, you know, and I'm going to look out for you when I could. But just yeah, bro, totally all about that first, I think, uh, interaction. Again, it's like the hook, dude. Yeah, the hook. You know what I mean? Like if I come up to you like we haven't met. Like, oh, dude, that shirt is fresh. Ted Jones, by the way. Yeah. It's kind of like, yo, dude, what's up? You know uh, who, you know who's up next? Just all about the hook, I think, right. in life, too. Yeah, it's a big thing. And I could have easily, I went back to that when I was homeless so many times. Like, And you know what I did? I called the health department on them. It was Damn. such a mess. And they closed down. It was such a messed up, um, what in do you a, call Interaction, really. Bro, I had to call the health department on them because of how bad it was. Like, there would be people sipping their, their like, whatever, or eating their food and pull a piece of metal wire out of their mouth this big. Like, I just felt like the place was run so bad. I like, had you, to. you ever watch Bar Rescue with John Taffer? Oh, my God. <laughs> he would have came in, this is fucking filthy. Yeah. You, are, you ought to be disgusted in yourself. <laughs> Throwing plates and shit. Damn, dude. Yeah, I wonder what restaurant he ate Damn. at that made him snap in his head to, to be like that. I don't know, bro. Or maybe it was just the ratings because that show is pretty good. He was like, you know what? I can I can do very well here just screaming at people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can, I can do stand-up comedy or bar reviews. Yeah. Either way, bringing in the cash. Dump, dude. This, guys, this was an incredible episode. I don't even need to tell you. Uh some of what you were saying, man, just left me speechless. That's why, you know, I allowed you to kind of just talk without me interrupting. I really try my best to bite my tongue and not say much uh, when you were telling your story. But, dude, what you've gone through is incredible, man. And for you to, for your journey to have so many twists and turns that you end up on this couch just seeming like a very successful comedian, great dude. And that's just like not even, you know, that's just like me seeing you without everything, just the facade. I'd say <laughs> just like the front of. And dude, I, I gotta say, man, you are fucking great, dude. Yo, thank you, man. And thank you seriously so much for coming on the podcast. Before we get out of here, and if you guys want to see this guy do some comedy, you guys come to the Ted Jones Comedy Show, February 9th, 8 p.m. Thursday at the Moxie Hotel, 145 Bowery. Dom's gonna be there. But dude, before we get out of here, let's um we're gonna pop up your Instagram right here. Let's shout it out and uh say what you got coming up. Dominic Leonelli, right here. Um, that's most important. Um Right now I got uh, coming up, I actually have a short movie coming out soon that I'm excited about. That's going to be cool. Great. It's going to be called Billis. You'll start seeing clips of that. And uh, you'll see stuff on my Instagram with that popping up. And I got a a bunch of clips, stand-up clips, because I've been editing now. So if you follow that, you'll get to see a a ton of stand-up from me on cruise ships to me going places the journey man some of the stuff of the world i'm showing you aruba in there you get to see some shit like it's fun so i got follow social media that's what that's the main thing and i have a podcast i just started actually called dry salami let's go dude yeah dominic thank you so much again guys leave a like 
freaking follow this guy. It's going to be lit. Get to the Ted Jones Comedy Show. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.